This episode is sponsored by The Kings. Thank you for all of your love and support. This week on Steadfast. The life of health for me, it really does impact my relationship with myself, my relationship with my neighbor, and my relationship with God. And that's like really what it comes down to in that the life of discipline, when I reorder my desires, when I can take control of my passions and appetites, it's going to lead to fruit in those other areas. Welcome to Steadfast. Welcome to Steadfast. Let's take the babies. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Steadfast. I'm your host, Sam McCarroll, Education Coordinator at Life Choices Women's Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona. And today, I got to talk to Dakota Lane, who is a fitness coach that has had the privilege of coaching people in all 50 states and 22 countries. And we talk about how taking care of your personal health and having fitness goals is really a pro-life way of living. I love his perspective on fitness because he was actually in seminary for a while before discerning out, becoming a youth minister, and then a fitness coach, and finding his wife, who I know from high school and college, and they just had a baby girl. So big congratulations to them. So this may seem like a strange pro-life topic, but we are a womb-to-tomb people, right? We have to worry about that in-between time, too. We want to be pro-life and full of life, too. I'm passionate about this subject because I was a group fitness instructor for four years, and I admit that I get a wee bit vulnerable in this episode. Quite unexpectedly, Dakota totally pulled the youth minister card on me and asked me how I felt about something, and I was totally caught off guard, Um, but it really just showed me how much he cares about the people right in front of him. He cares about his clients, not just about their physical health, but their mental, emotional, and spiritual health too. He has such a profound understanding of the importance of our physical health and how it impacts our spirits. I will be putting his business in our show notes, and if you are looking for someone to be your fitness coach, he is your guy. Before we get to this episode, I want to remind you of our wonderful partners, 7 Weeks Coffee. Named thusly because at seven weeks, a baby is the size of a coffee bean. Seven Weeks donates 10% of every purchase to a pregnancy resource center around the country. And if you want 10% of your purchase to go to our education program here at Life Choices Women's Clinic, use the link in our show notes. For 10% off, use our discount code STEADFAST. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dakota Lane. Hey Dakota, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I have to ask you... If you know the song Dakota and how many times it's been sung to you. Uh, I, I didn't actually hear about it till like probably in college. And I was shocked that I hadn't heard about it until that point. But it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Every time that I've like said, I'm going to interview Dakota for like the next <laughs> hour. It's like stuck in That's my in head. head. <laughs> and I'm just like singing it around the house. And I think my it's husband hilarious. looking forward to like being done with this interview so that I can stop singing the song all the time. But <laughs> anyway, tell us about yourself and your family and about your company. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Colorado. Um, I went to seminary right after high school. I had my conversion kind of like early on um, high school. I was raised in kind of a tumultuous kind of broken house. Um, just a lot of a lot of abuse, a lot of emotional trauma. Um, and that kind of led me to my conversion. Um, so I had a conversion pretty early on and like, just like really went head first into it. Um, honestly, I just kind of wanted to know what it is that I believed if I was going to call myself a Catholic. Um, and I'm just the kind of person that is going to want to know and be able to explain it. So it wasn't enough for me to just know that like, Oh, it's something my family does. So I really, you know, just researched and researched and through my research just found so much truth and beauty. Um, and then 
about high school, um, we don't have time to talk about it today, but had a lot of just really divine um, encounters and um, which led me to go to seminary after high school, um, where I thought like I was pretty dang confident I was going to be a priest um, for a lot of years. And seminary was amazing, super beautiful time, a lot of healing, a lot of growth and insight into my own heart and God's heart. Um, and then from there, I, after some healing and discernment, realized like I wasn't called. Um, so I left, went to Franciscan University of Steubenville, um, finished my theology degree out there, came back to Denver and studied for my master's at the Augusta Institute. And then I was working in youth ministry at the time, and um, I had worked as a personal trainer previously and kind of put on the back burner. And towards the end of grad school, people started kind of asking me for help with fitness and nutrition and stuff. And I was getting ready for a, a physique competition. And so I just kind of started helping people on the side. And then before I knew it, I had enough work to do it full time. So I kind of launched into my business. Um, I met my my wife at, um, in grad school at the Augusta Institute. Um, we just had our first baby 10 weeks ago. So that's been really exciting. Um, and so that, yeah, then from there I launched my business and basically what I do is I, I create customized fitness nutrition plans for people all over the world and help them to implement it. Um, really like focusing on the holistic picture of, you know, mind, body, and soul. And, um, thankfully just because of my circles, I've gotten to work with probably over 50 priests at this point, tons of focus missionaries, lots of Catholics, but also like lots of non-Catholics, just regular people from every demographic you can imagine. Um, and it's really beautiful. We can dive more into it, but it's really beautiful to see as people begin to live a life of discipline and begin to live a life of order. Um, when we treat our bodies the way we're made to be treated, things start to line up and um, these like intrinsic desires and um, questions start to like arise out of people and the life of discipline kind of starts to become a school of virtue. And so it's been really cool kind of like undercover evangelization, if you will, working with people to um, really just show people kind of a, a, the deeper meaning of life um, that although I do work with fitness and nutrition, and I work with, you know, weight loss, all that kind of stuff. It's about a lot more than that. Um, so yeah, at this point, it's been really crazy to see what Jesus has done with it. I've had clients in all 50 States, 22 countries, and it's been an awesome ride. So it's been, that's kind of a very shortened version of my story, but um, it's been a, an awesome adventure. And now I get to help people kind of realize um, there's a lot more quality of life out there and kind of how to treat themselves uh, both internally and externally. That was beautifully said. <laughs> how did you uh, <laughs> begin all of this then? So you <clears throat> mentioned that, you know, you were just, you kind of just nonchalantly were like, yeah, I, I was a personal training on the side and was doing a physique competition. So how, how did you get mm -hmm. there? So I got into lifting actually in seminary, um, which is kind of ironic. Like, the, the seminary that I was at is in Minnesota and it's on a college campus. And so they had a brand new weight facility. Um, my whole life, I was always the smallest person, like every grade, every year, I was the smallest person in my school. Um, I didn't break a hundred pounds to my junior year of high school. So I've always been extremely small. Um, I got to seminary. We had a lot of, um, well, we didn't have that much free time, but we had some free time. We either were studying or praying. Um, or had free time. So I figured I'm just going to go start lifting weights. Um, and honestly, like if I had to be very transparent, like when I started, I, I really think the desire was I just wanted to be seen and wanted to be noticed. A lot of the lack of affirmation growing up, um, I think came out in that way that I just wanted to be noticed. Um, that, so that's kind of why I started. And very quickly, I realized that um, it just became about a lot more for me. And obviously, I was having really good formation with seminary and like with my studies and my prayer life. 
And so I knew it was, I, you know, I wanted it to be about, about a lot more. Um, and so that's kind of where I started my fitness journey personally. And then from there, like it really became, like I mentioned earlier, school of virtue, where I began to learn like these habits here have a much bigger impact and we can dive more into that as we go. But um, so then when I transferred to Franciscan, um, they had a program where people could become personal trainers and train students and stuff. So I started doing that and training students. It was really cool. I, it, was, it was really awesome to be able to work with people and just share my own passion, my own knowledge um, for really just like creating a better quality of life. Um, a lot of people see fitness or like healthy eating as kind of like a, a hobby or something they'll do when they have extra time or money. Um, and really for me, like I see it as an obligation, like we've been given this gift of our body in this life. And, um, you know, it's, it's my obligation to treat myself the way that I've been made to be, um, treated. And so that's kind of where I started the training aspect. I put it on the back burner cause I was studying my graduate work in theology and working as youth minister. And then towards the end of it, I was getting ready for the physique competition, as I mentioned, um, and honestly, that just kind of came about just cause I was like, oh, I just kind of want to see, see what I can do. It's a really weird sport. Um, like you just get a bunch of these guys and girls with these super dark spray tans that look like beef jerky. And like, <laughs> you're up there and you just like do these poses and you get awarded based off like how you're posing and obviously like muscle, you know, your muscle, your proportions, all that kind of stuff. So it was really a cool experience. It really like tested my, my um, fortitude and just like a lot of my perseverance, it's really difficult. Um, but so that's kind of where I started with the, with, you know, with the competing and then the training kind of snowballed on top of that, just because I was posting about my competition. So people were seeing a lot more of, of what I was doing and kind of wanted to be like, wow, you seem like, you know, a lot, like, can you share some of your information? So that's kind of how it started. Um, and people started asking me for help. And so I was like, well, I'll just start with it on the side. And then like I said, by the time I was finished with grad school, I just had enough work to do it full time. So I figured I'm just going to try it and see where it goes. And then uh, I kind of told Jesus, you know, as long as you're bringing people to me to help, like I'll keep doing it. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been pretty, pretty wild since then. Yeah. Awesome. You kind of alluded to this, but, you know, we are obligated. We should be taking care of our bodies. And I think that this is why I wanted to talk about this, because it's a pro-life topic, because it's really about maintaining your like, you know, your life, uh, taking care of your body. And the catechism of the Catholic Church reminds us that we aren't just two uh, elements. We're not just body and soul, just temporarily united, but we have our body. It's going to be resurrected in heaven. But can you share with me or expand upon that, um, your thoughts about taking care of your body and why we are obligated to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, like in the Catholic world, I've seen a lot that people really kind of have this Puritan influence still, or like this idea that if we really want to be holy, like the things that we should be focusing on are really like spiritual matters, which of course those are true. Um, but last year I was invited to the Diocese of Phoenix to give a talk to all the priests about fitness nutrition. And one of the things I talked to them about, I was like, you know, what are the most common things that you hear in the confessional? Like, you know, just the day-to-day -day sins, like it's typically not spiritual things. Like it's things of the body, like whether it's laziness or lust or alcohol, gluttony, gossip, like it's things that we experience in our body. On the flip side, the way that we build virtue is through our body. Like, yes, it's important to pray. Yes, it's important to like to live a life in, you know, in the sacraments. But if, if somebody spends an hour in the chapel and then comes out and they, you know, snap at their husband or wife out of impatience, like there's a disconnect there. So the whole point of 
of this life of discipline is is self-mastery. So at the time of the fall, just like I guess going to a little bit of the theology from my mind, um, at the time of the fall, before that, our bodies were subordinate to our souls. So what our souls desired, our bodies would have followed suit. Our bodies, you know, were um, in unity with it. Well, during the fall, like that rupture, now our body rebels against our soul. We see it all the time. We want to be lazy. We want to eat more than we should. We don't want to work out. We want to drink in excess. Like um, all those types of things, our bodies are constantly rebelling against our soul. So yes, it's important to like to pray and do these things, but in a very practical matter, the church has always given us through her wisdom, you know, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, but particularly like fasting and just a life of penance and, and self-discipline, that self-discipline in my recreation it starts to become a recreation. So that self mastery isn't just for the sake of like living a very well-ordered disciplined life, like self mastery and living disciplined life is great. But you know, if, if it's only for that at the end of your life, like what do you have? You have like a really nice, you know, well-made bed and like a really clean house. Like it's just, that's kind of what it is. But in the perfected version of it, self mastery should lead to self gifts. You can't give what you don't have. So when we can better possess ourselves which in my case, like through a life of discipline, nutrition, fitness, and living how we're supposed to be living, um, the more that I possess myself, the better I'm able to give of myself. So in those decisions, you know, when I'm able to start to say no and to temper my appetites, when I'm able to say, you know, instead of eating this whole pizza, I'm just going to have a few slices or, you know, I don't want to go work out, but I'm going to force myself to because I know it's good for my health. You know, in those things, we begin to take control of our will and in that, we begin to reorder our body to be subordinate to our soul, which ultimately, you know, that's the ultimate goal. And again, like virtue is is expressed through our bodies. And actually what's most important, um, because again, yes, like the spiritual matters are important, but they're they're lived out through our body. The way we love others is through our body. So, um, and, and just on a very practical level, like, human beings do not operate as well when we're not taking care of ourselves. And I see this with, you know, whether it's a mom, dad, a priest or whatever, you know, if you're constantly, you know, have low energy, you're not sleeping well, you're living with constant aches and pains, your digestion's not well, like you, you're not thinking clearly, like the, the physical world affects so much more than just like having a nice body for a picture in a bathing suit. It really affects us cognitively. It affects us relationally. There's so much about it that that impacts us as human beings. And so it really is, you know, yes, it can simply stop at just myself. And I can say, you know, I'm just going to, you know, create a really nice body for myself. But really, like, it can become about loving the other person. Um, because when I'm able to be healthy and strong, um, reliable, disciplined for myself, for my family, for my friends, for others, I'm, you know, it's going to be beneficial for them as well. So it really is like a multi-layered thing. I know I'm like throwing a lot at you, but um, it's a really kind of complex issue that's that I think in the Catholic world gets underplayed, and then because they see in the world how it gets overplayed. So like a lot of times we think in the fitness nutrition industry, we see the people on the magazines or we see the people on social media or TikTok, and again, it just kind of stops at the body, and so we think. Okay, for the sake of vanity, for avoiding vanity, like I'm not going to involve myself in that world. Well, you kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater because you're missing out on so much. Like virtue lies in the means, it lies in the middle. So on the two excesses of like, you know, self-obsession and vanity, on the other side you have like self-neglect. And again, 
that affects yourself, but it also affects the people around you. Um, so for me, like I would go so far as to say that this isn't just a matter of preference or of hobby. It really is a matter of like holiness and, and sanctification of ourselves in the way that we take care of ourselves. Now that doesn't necessarily like how it's, you know, executed is going to be different. You know, uh, a monastic life is going to be is going to look different than somebody like me who's living in the world and is living as a you know fitness professional. Obviously, I'm not expecting them to live the same way, but the principles are going to be the same. Um, is that making sense? Oh yeah, and I definitely caught the Nick McKeon ethics there, the, uh, the virtue <laughs> and the means. <laughs> what I was thinking is, uh, I mean, it's just it's hard. Like I, I'm an insomniac. It's hard to pray Mm. and and work out Um, when we're sick and we're tired or exhausted whatever so like our spiritual health really benefits from our body's health and if you think about it the church gives us all these tangible things these things that we can absolutely and like the sensory things like if you think about Mm -hmm. how we are we are encouraged to bodily participate in our faith whether it's just like genuflecting or kneeling um so i think that i appreciate your explanation of the the connection between those two Um, absolutely I was a group fitness instructor for four years. And um, when I was discerning whether or not I wanted to actually dive into the fitness world, do you know Father Paul Sullivan? Yeah. Yeah. So he was at the time, he was the diocese vocation director. And so he talked to me about it. Basically, he was like, yeah, you can go for it. Go get into this fitness world. But you have to remember that you do not get value from your body. And I know that Mm -hmm. as a fitness trainer is very difficult to not do that. I mean, I, even when I look for personal trainers, um, if I were to look for a personal trainer, I'm going to look for somebody who's like, you know, fit, Yeah. <laughs> who looks who sure. looks about their appearance. So how do you counter that in your interior life as a trainer, making sure that, um, interiorly, you know, that your value is not tied to your physical appearance? Yeah. I mean, it's gonna, it, it really comes down to the person's heart. Like, whether somebody's in the fitness world or not, like it could be whatever external thing there is, somebody could always get caught up in it. And honestly, like somebody doesn't even necessarily have to have like a super nice body to still find value in their body. And you, you see it all over in, in the culture, just like the hookup culture. So um, it, it really comes down to the interior life, as you mentioned, like your intention. Um, a, a couple of just like practical ways that I do that, um, that I've like done for a long time is for my, during my workouts, like before my workouts, I'll always offer them up as a prayer for somebody else. So for me, instead of like, you know, making the workout just about myself, I'll just like a simple prayer of like, you know, Lord, I pray that I have the strength to, you know, to perform this well, to stay healthy so that somebody that I know who's struggling maybe has the strength to persevere in their, in their suffering, whatever it may be like that. It takes it out of just like my own little temporal world and makes it about something greater. So, and and that's like, you know, that's just that's our faith in a nutshell um, is, is taking earthly things and elevating them. As you said, like the church gives us these tangible things. That's how humans learn. We learn through our senses. Um, And so for me, that's one, one small way. Um, But honestly, again, like I I feel like there is, there is a, a big hesitation. Um, Like, you know, like he said of like, just be careful. You don't want to, you know, become, you don't want to value your body too much. And, And again, I agree with that and I see that, but I've seen, so much um, like abuse of our bodies and our health on the opposite side because of that fear that for me, like I would rather have to work through vanity with somebody than to have to work through like them, their funeral because they died early because they're, they didn't take care of their health. And I, I literally just had 
a client like super, super sad, a, a kid who's 29, really amazing, faithful man. Um, and he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. I'd worked with him for a couple of years and his health just kind of got out of control. And I, I literally had the conversations with him. Um, I said, man, I don't want to, I don't want to be the one that like lives with on my conscious that, you know, you died young because of your decisions. Um, and again, he was a super faithful man, lived a really beautiful life. So, um, but, but just like one small example, like this isn't just a matter of like, of our bodies looking good. Like it really can be a matter of life or death. And again, that's an extreme case, but even still like you, people can die before they physically die. Like people, a lot of people, you know, kind of walk around like, like they're dead. Um, the quality of life that we can have can become so much greater if we're able to invest in these things. So while yes, I agree, like you can't take value from your body. Um, as far as like, as far as it goes for me, um, obviously my body is part of my marketing. It's part of my brand. It's part of my business. Um, but it really is like how you use it. You know, people can use their body either to serve themselves or they can use their gifts to serve others. And that goes for anything. You know, somebody could just by the way they dress, they could be, you know, vain and prideful about it. Or somebody who's really intellectually smart could, um, could fall into that. So, it can happen in really any industry. It's a lot easier with the body because it's, it's so tangible and it's, you know, you see it all the time. It's a lot more subtle when it comes to something like, you know, the intellect. Um, but just like one small example I have of a priest that I worked with, he called me one day. Um, he had lost like 50 pounds, was doing phenomenal. He was nowhere near like underweight or sickly or anything like that. But he called me and he was like, Dakota, this parishioner, a, a few of them came up to me and they were like, Hey father, you know, are you okay? You, are you sick? Like, you just seem like you've been, you know, you're really thin and you seem like you've been really kind of caught up in this whole health thing. Um, he's like, what? I don't know what to say to them. And I was like, okay, you have to understand two things. Number one, when you start to better yourself, especially with your body, people are going to notice, and that's going to cause, it's going to cause one of two reactions in them. Either they're going to take that and it's going to kind of hit them in a sore spot where they're going to think, wow, that's something I should be doing. And instead of elevating their own life to kind of reach where you're at it's easier to tear you down uh, but the other thing is that it's sad that in in our modern culture like excess has become the norm what i mean mean by that is it's more normal for people to be living unhealthy than it is for to, people to be living healthy so once somebody starts to work out more eat healthy be more mindful of these things all of a sudden they they're in this camp of like oh whoa you're a dieter you're healthy obsessed it's like when did when did the excess become the normal? Like that should be the normal. You should we should look at other people who are constantly abusing their health, not eating right, not sleeping well, like not taking care of their bodies. We should look at those people and be like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you taking care of yourself? As opposed to us looking at people who are healthy and being like, oh, why are you so obsessed with yourself? Um, so it's just kind of like a paradigm shift. But, but yeah, I agree. There is a temptation that you can, you know, take that value from your body. Um, for me, it really is a case by case basis. Um, and, you know, making it as more of a, a prayer, making it, you know, for me, um, when you keep, when you know that we're made for something more, when you know that our bodies are temporal, although they'll be resurrected, like they're going to pass away. And so, you know, I, I often think of the scripture, what profit is it for man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Um, you know, it, you might have everything with your body, with like your appearances and all this kind of stuff, but you have to remember, like, it's about so much more. So for me, it's just remembering that perspective, um, that yeah, at any moment it could be taken away. Um, and so, yeah, just like anything, you can't become too attached to it. So for me, 
personally, I've had a, I have a history of anxiety, but usually it's uh, around like kind of working out. Um, it's like mm. the the need to work out or to eat healthy and I get anxious about it. And so there's mm. like a, a balance for me where I, that I have to find. And um, it, but how, what would your advice be then to find peace? Because working out can cause stress either way. It's like either like a <laughs> almost too much, you know, like the, those excesses that you're talking about, like where it's mm-hmm. like too much, too little. So what is your, um, I guess, what would be your advice for our listeners that maybe, um, have that same kind of history of, you know, stress either way? Yeah, no, it's a good question. The really interesting thing is that like so many people, um, when it comes to nutrition particularly, but exercise also, but more so the food, like humans have such an interesting way of, of letting like our psychology kind of like inundate into that. Um, and it's really tough because when it comes to like, let's say alcohol or drugs or a gambling addiction, like all of those things, you could go to somewhere and just like cut it out completely. You can live without it, but with food, you can't live without that. So like people who are struggling with like those types of, you know, that, that tough relationship with it, it's really hard because you have to face it every single day. I think a lot of it comes down to having kind of the, the right support system to help you kind of when you when you get in those, whatever you want to call it, like the panic attacks, or just like when you get in those, those termites, those mental thoughts that nag at us. Um, I had a client who um, called me yesterday in a panic attack. And, you know, I have people like that all the time where just having somebody to kind of walk you through it, to remind you of things like sometimes it's important to just like push through and it's like, okay, I'm having like this anxiety. I don't want to do it or whatever. And it's like, all right, we're going to push through. Sometimes it's better to pull back. Um, so there's not like a one size fits all is like how you're going to cope with that. But I will say is like in general, the research when it comes to depression and anxiety in regards to exercise is really, it's really like mind blowing. Um, and it's really unfortunate that like, it doesn't really penetrate in the medical Western medical mindset, like, you know, we're still very medication focused, which like there is certain times and places for that, but so many things could be, you know, mediated or fixed or, you know, at least minimalized um, with living a proper balanced lifestyle. So, yeah, I mean, those excesses are tough and and everybody comes to it with their own baggage. Everybody has their own traumas that are like, um, you know, giving their own kind of like emotions to these certain topics and these certain things. So, I think it's important to have somebody to help you kind of like sift through that. And so, you know, not every coach does that. I I have more of a passion of that with my clients of like really digging into those things and seeing like, okay, what is it that's like causing this trigger? Like, let's talk about it. Because a lot of times like people just don't have either the, the vocabulary or the support to kind of talk through that um, because it just comes off kind of crazy. People don't understand it. Like if somebody is like really anxious about wanting to work out a lot, you know, their family typically isn't going to understand. And they're just like, just take a break. Like, don't worry about it. It's like, no, you don't understand. I can't just do that. But I, well, then it's like, okay, well then just go work out. And it's like, okay, but that might not also be good for me. So a lot of people just don't have the, I don't know, kind of like the understanding of it. It's, it, it really is like humans. We're just really complex beings. Um, so yeah, I would say as far as like advice, um, having a good support system. Like even for myself, like I go to therapy and it's super, super helpful for myself to just like be able to have a place that I can go to in a healthy way, sift through these emotions and see kind of like what's behind the scenes. Cause 
what we see is like those emotions. They just like pop up. Somebody will say something to us and like trigger something in us. Or, um, you know, we see a, a Instagram video of like somebody working on it, like trigger something in us. Um, but it's those things that are deeper down that's causing that trigger that are like important to start to work through and sift through. So yeah, I don't have like a, a good black and white answer, unfortunately, but no, it really good. is like a dialogue, I guess for, for yourself, like what are things that you've kind of like learned over the years through your own experience to try to help with that? I guess I haven't thought about it too much. I think that having the right support system is good because I know that my, my husband tries to keep me grounded of kind of trying to remind me of what's your intention of working out. I don't know. I, for me, it's like a, it's the anxiety usually comes from a place of probably a little bit of vanity, but I also know that I am much more peaceful and Mm -hmm. much happier when I work out and when I'm strong. And like, I mean, you can tell I'm like a twig. I'm a twig. Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm. part, part of the reason why I got into fitness was because I was a barista and I couldn't pour my, my milk, um, the, the ga- a full gallon of milk mm-hmm. because my wrists were so pathetically weak. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. so yeah, I also, I love, I love discipline. I love routines. I've always been that type A person. And I think that's partially what fitness appeals to me. I was a runner starting in like fourth grade, um, did cr- track and cross country and, um, yeah, I I considered myself, I consider myself an athlete. I'm totally going to segue into this, but the the Catholic Church is so good for athletes because mm. she encourages challenges and practices. Um even like if it's a temporary routine like a novena or if it's like Lent where it's, you know, the 40 days. What do you recommend as like a good physical practice that people could incorporate into a, a season of their lives just to get started even? Yeah, I get that question all the time. I feel like anytime I'm on something, they're like, all right, what's like the one thing you can do? And it's like, it's I don't uh, necessarily a one thing. It's more like a challenge, yeah. like a, a challenge yeah, to definitely. get you kickstarted, like to ease you in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's different for everybody. I mean, I will say that while I think it's important for people to like have a mix of things that they're passionate about, but also things that are going to be good for them. So like, if somebody's really into rock climbing or running or whatever it is, like those are great things. But as far as like from a research standpoint, strength training, like lifting with resistance, is still going to be like the most beneficial for us, especially like just as we age. Um, so, but just like one thing to start when I, you know, do an intake with people and just kind of going through like a lot of their information, I'll ask about their water intake. And a lot of people like, I don't know how they survive. I mean, I drink a lot more than I drink like one to two gallons of water a day. So it's a lot more than most people ever would. But some people on the like inventory will be like, I drink like, you know, sometimes they will be like none or like a, a couple of glasses. I'm like, I don't know how you survive. Our bodies are really amazing because they'll adapt to it. But honestly, like I have my clients drink a, a pretty decent amount, even just like shooting for like 80 to 100 ounces a day. Um, it can sound like a lot for people, but it's one of those things, like, it's one of the first things people notice when they start to just, like, hydrate, um, how much, like, different they feel. Um, water really is, like, kind of gasoline for our bodies. Like, our bodies are made up of it primarily. Um, so, you know, people typically in the morning will go to grab coffee to, like, wake up, and that can definitely help. But, like, if I'm telling you, like, if in the morning you just, like, wake up and have, like, two to three, like, big glasses of water, like, it's amazing – um, the differences that it can make just like cognitively, digestion, your skin, um, your energy throughout the day. Like, so even just something as simple as like hydrating, it's, you know, something that we've heard about our whole life. Um, sometimes it just takes like that re-reminder 
um, or like that challenge to, to do it. But like, that's one small thing, but you know, even just like just having daily movement is like, is just so important, whether that's just like going for a walk for 15 minutes or going for a workout, people often want to be perfect. And we have like these really lofty goals. And when we're motivated, we like want to shoot for the stars and then our motivation subsides and because it's more of like an emotion as opposed to discipline. And so like in the beginning, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna do all this stuff. And then if they can't do that, then it's like an all or nothing thing. And so I really try to reiterate to my clients, like, no, every, every decision matters. Like it doesn't matter if for the past 30 years of your life, you've completely neglected it. Like your decision now still matters. And that's the one you need to focus on. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter if next week you're going to completely blow it. Like the decision right now is going to be important. I think just like being realistic with where we're at and not like thinking that we have to go all or nothing. Yeah. I usually tell people when they're like, they're daunted by Exodus 90 and I'm like, dude, don't do an Exodus 90. You can't just like jump in and do 90. Do your like an Exodus seven and be proud of yourself for seven. And then let's like baby step our way to making a habit, you know, or a new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, do you have any words of encouragement for people who suffer from the St. Augustine syndrome? The Lord make me diligent, diligent, but not yet. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's really tough because, you know, for a lot of people, especially if it's like weight loss, um, you know, a lot of people have tried and tried and tried, um, and it can become really discouraging of like, um, I've tried so many things. It's just not going to happen for me. And they just kind of give up. And then it's like, okay. Like I said, you know, when I have more time, when I have more money, like then I'll like invest into it. Um, And it it really is like it's doing yourself a disservice because there's so much there's so much quality of life to be gained, even just by like the little sacrifices. Um, And, you know, what I see a lot of times is like with, with people that I work with, we kind of, you know, if the first car you've ever driven was like a kind of broke down like 1990 Honda Civic. And that's like what you've been used to. And then you like upgrade to like a 2022 Range Rover. Like you're going to be like, holy cow, I didn't know cars could drive like this. Like but because you've been so used to something, you know, lower. It's a, that's how it is a lot of times with people in, in their health. Like we get so used to living a certain quality of life that um, when you start to invest in it, you're like, oh, my gosh. So like for me now or for clients, they're like, I don't know how I was living before. Like I can never go back to that because I, I have so much more of a quality of life. So for to answer that question of like, you know, I, I want to do it, but just maybe not yet. It's like, um, you know, you don't have to, again, be all or nothing. Like the little things are still going to add up. Those little habit changes, those little behaviors are still going to like pay massive dividends in, in how you feel. And uh, I know it can be really daunting just in the culture. Now there's like so much information out there. Sometimes we get like option paralyzed. Like there's just so many things we don't even know where to start. And that's where it can be helpful to have somebody to like walk alongside with you. If you have somebody that you know, who's like, you're always seeing them post about working out or about like health stuff, like just ask them questions like, Hey, would you mind helping me? Like, do you have any advice or um, things like that? Or, you know, hiring a coach, things like that. Have somebody to kind of cut through all of the excess stuff and just like give you something that you can focus on. So all you have to worry about is executing as opposed to like figuring out all the details. Um, So yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's, it, it can become really discouraging. And I think we just have in our, in our American culture, especially like we love to have like, you know, Oh, after this weekend, I'm going to get after it. Like, Oh, after this month, like, Oh, I got a vacation next month. So after that, I'm going to get after it. But again, like I was saying, those decisions now, like choosing to just like start to drink more water or going for a walk each day, like to kind of go back to what I was talking about earlier, like this isn't just about my health. This is about so much more. And 
um, you know, talking kind of just about pro-life stuff. Like if we're going to be, if we're going to be pro-life, like that doesn't just mean babies. It also doesn't just mean like the end of life. It also means during our life. Like we need to be advocating for, for our health and for our life because these things matter in the way that we operate. Um, and we're not going to operate as well when we're not focusing on these things. So, um, you know, you don't have to go out and compete in a bodybuilding competition. You don't have to go out and run a marathon. Um, but you know, you also can do a lot more typically than people give themselves credit for. So like, yeah, maybe set yourself like a little bit of a challenge. Humans are, we're very hard on ourselves and it's a really tough thing, especially with this, because in social media, we see so many people who are so fit and so dedicated and they're always posting things that can really cause, like I mentioned with that priest, like this, this internal sense of like, oh, I'm such a failure. Like I just, I wish I could do that for myself and it can be really tough. Um, so yeah, I mean, comparison, as we know, is the thief of joy and yeah. hopefully seeing other people inspires us, but sometimes it can really discourage us, but, you know, just reaching out to somebody, maybe who you see, who does it and just asking them for help or just starting a little somewhere. I think that we also, as a society are very much about uh, immediate gratification where it's like all those programs are like abs in five days. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's mm-hmm. not just about the abs. It's also not going to take five days and it's going to, it should be a life thing, not just like a, a five day thing. I want to ask you about how your um how your talk went with the diocese of Phoenix with the priests. How did the priests respond? Were they stoked? Were they motivated? Hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting because um it's it you know it's not something that's talked about that much with our clergy. Um and so it was like a unique thing. I don't I think they like knew what the topic was before they came in. Um but it went really well. Like I the feedback that I got was um, they were like, man, I wish I would have heard this like 10 years ago. Um, and I've thought about it before and I've like talked to a couple of bishops that I'm friends with of like some seminaries have some like health formation involved. A lot of them like really lack in it, but, um, it really should become more part of the formational process. Like it's, it's really sad. I mean, think of how many priests we know who just live like very unhealthy lives. Maybe they're not obese, although there are quite a few of those, but even just like, you know, they just, they never take care of themselves. They're always eating out at like parishioners houses or like just on the go or whatever food is brought to them. They like rarely make time to work out. And, um, a lot of priests that I have, you know, they, they kind of live with this guilt of like, well, my vocation is to serve people. And so, you know, taking time to schedule out, to work out, like, you know, that's taking away from what I'm doing. And what I have to remind them, it's so fitness and health is so parallel to the, to the, the spiritual life. It's very easy as a dad, a mom, whoever to, to think like, I don't have time to pray. Like I just, my life is too, too busy. I got to clean all these dishes. I got to do all this stuff. But when we take the time out to do things that are important, that are good for us, it makes you so much better when you go back to the things that you need to do. So it's like what I was talking about earlier. Self-possession is going to lead to self-gift. So, you know, I see I've seen it happen with priests that they've burnt out and, you know, in the worst case scenario, it can lead to like scandal or lead to priests, like leaving the priesthood. But, you know, in a less severe scenario, it can just like lead to complete burnout where the priest is just no motivation. Um, they're just like constantly exhausted. They don't have like room for empathy. And so it's really important to take time for them. And so that's, I think was one of the big things for them was just like, Oh yeah, it is really important. I need to do this. Not because it's just for myself, but I'm going to be able to love, my people better if I'm loving myself better Um, because nobody's advocating for them to do that. Like they're getting constantly bombarded with calls like, Hey, can you come 
to dinner, can you come bless this? You know, Hey, my, you know, my daughter said this, what do I say? Like, there's just so many things they're constantly bombarded with. Um, it's really important for them to set like some boundaries and just like, I tell them just like schedule it in your day. And this is like, you're just blocked off. Um, and then we went into just like really specific nutrition science. And I just like went through some things with them with nutrition. And that was really like mind blowing for them. Um, and for most people, it is when I talk to them about it, like, um, you know, a handful of almonds, you know, a pretty small handful of almonds is the same amount of calories as like a Big Mac if you like look at it and because of the way the dietary fat is. So like things like that, just teaching people about um, like kind of what I call the illusion of healthy eating. Like we can, it can be very easy to think like, oh, I'm eating healthy, but salads can easily be more calories than like a burger. So teaching the priest that, that um, a little bit more just to give them more education on like making these decisions when they're going out to eat. So yeah, no, it, it went really well. But for me, again, like the biggest message although it is like taking care of yourself. Um, it's more so about like what this is going to lead to. Um, like the life of health for me, it really does impact my relationship with myself, my relationship with my neighbor and my relationship with God. And that's like really what it comes down to in that the life of discipline, when I reorder my desires, when I can take control of my passions and appetites, it's going to lead to fruit in those other areas. And especially with the priest, like, it's very, I mean, number one, they're going to be attacked a lot spiritually, but number two, like they're just very isolated. So living like constantly living a disciplined life where you're, you know, practicing those small ways of self-denial. That's the whole point again of like why the church gives us like these days of abstinence and fasting and stuff. The point isn't just so that we can say no to me, like what, what virtue or values are in that. The point is that if I can say no to this small desire then in a matter of a bigger desire, hopefully I've practiced it a million times that when I'm faced with this bigger temptation, like, oh, I've denied myself in my own desires like thousands of times. Of course I can deny myself this. So especially for a priest, like um, it, it's so important. So yeah, it went really well. So that was a long-winded answer. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's really cool to see in my work with them, um, to see them kind of come back alive in their vocation that they're like, they feel energized. They feel more confident. They just feel like they can give more. Um, and same with like parents that I work with. Yeah. Did you talk to them about active prayer? Like the like, company I mean, I just imagine or the idea of it running and dedicating like, I'm like, a, oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I know that I saw this, like it was like years ago. Um, it was like activeprayer.com or something where people yeah. are just like doing, is that still around the, uh, yeah. the intentions? Like I'm going to dedicate this workout to you. And so I would be, especially for my teens, if I'm like struggling at the end of a run, I'm like, this is for absolutely. this person's intention. And I, yeah, like that would no, be absolutely. A, that'd be great for pretty. Yeah. Yeah. When I was at Franciscan, actually the guy, I think you started active prayers name's David Jack. He worked with Adidas for a long time and came out to Franciscan and did like the presentation for us. And but yeah, I mean, I was like, that was kind of my whole idea when I was in seminary, even before I knew the, I, like the, the name of like active prayer, but um, I'll tell clients that all the time of like, you know, let's say you want to work out in the mornings and you have a hard time waking up, like text somebody the night before, and it doesn't need to be like a prayer spiritual thing per se. Like if you're, if, you know, a lot of my clients don't have that background, but people run marathons dedicated for their uncle or like people dedicate books or movies. So like that idea is, it, it is in our culture. So like text somebody the night before and be like, Hey, you know, to my aunt or whatever, I just want to let you know, like tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up at 5am and I'm dedicating my workout for you, or I'm offering my workout as a prayer for you. Number one, it's going to keep you accountable because it's a lot easier to show up for somebody else than it is for ourselves. Like I can deal with letting myself down. I just have to like have a mental conversation, 
but like letting somebody else down, you have to actually be accountable to that. So like you said, like in your run, like I'm offering this for this team. And also it's going to open up a door, like in that conversation, if you actually tell that person, like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like I did this for you. Um, I've done that before, like even on Instagram and it's, it's just cool to kind of see the relationships that build from it and like how it inspires people. Um, I'll often use like a hashtag on Instagram of soul gains. Um, and like people have caught on to it. Like I was at a concert one time, like very secular environment. And this kid came up to me and was like, Hey, aren't you that soul gains guy? Oh, so it's yeah. like, it, it's just cool. <laughs> people have the idea. Like we all have this intrinsic idea of wanting something more, but yeah, for the priest, again, it was like, look, fitness isn't just about your body. Like you don't have to worry about the vanity of it. Like, yes, that can be an aspect, but there's so much more to it. Like it doesn't just have to be either. I'm going to take care of my body. So I look good. Or I'm just not going to take care of my body at all. Like there's, there is an in between where you're taking care of your body to better serve others and to, you know, to, to be a better human yourself. Yeah. Have you heard of the nun run? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's so much fun seeing the nuns and the priests run sometimes in clerics, sometimes not. But <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed seeing the nuns flying with their, you know. Oh, absolutely. So great. Well, awesome. Uh, thank you so much for spending time with me. I'm I'm so glad we finally got to do this. We we tried scheduling this before, you know, baby was born, but yeah, know, it's been a while. Newborn life. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.